Good morning. So I want to share with you one verse from the scripture this morning. I'm going to encourage you over the course of uh, my conversation with you this morning to go and read this particular psalm on your own time and to use it as a, a prayer, as a meditation, and really think through all the verses. But I want to you just hear one today. Because when I got into preaching years ago, I had a preaching professor at Perkins School of Theology who challenged the preaching class to do something different. And that was to be able to isolate one verse of Scripture and talk about it for 15 or 20 minutes without boring people. (laughs) And over the course of my ministry, that evolved into a 40-minute sermon. You won't get today because I'm UCC now. But I got pretty good at that, and I kind of like that theme. So I typically preach from just one verse of Scripture, and I want you to hear that this morning. It comes from the 65th Psalm, verse 11, and it reads like this. You crown the year with your glory, with your bounty. Follow the teleprompter. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. Dwell on that passage this morning as we engage with one another in conversation. I am so excited to be here with you in worship this morning. To have the chance not only to share with you, but also to learn from and about you today as we, together, in person and online, seek to be partners on the unfolding journey of faith and life as members of the United Church of Christ in the South Central Conference. One of my goals in this first year uh, is to worship with every congregation that I possibly can, to be in a new place every single week, and to hear from and learn from all of you. So far, like Joe said, it's been 5,446 miles as of today. All right? And I think I visited 12 churches. 5,000 miles for 12. I have 60. So that'll help you put it in perspective. I think I'm going to need new tires before the first year is over. But one of the things that I am so thankful for as your conference minister is the opportunity not just to come and talk, but to get to know you, every single one of you, to hear your stories and to celebrate with you all of the ways that you are vibrantly living out your faith right here in Dallas, Texas. So I come today to worship with you in a spirit of thanksgiving for you, for your work together, New Church, as a congregation through what has been the most unpredictable period in any of our lifetimes. Amen? I am thankful for your perseverance I am thankful for your optimism. I am thankful for your creativity. And I am thankful for the responsibility that you take, each and every one of you, for loving your neighbor well in this challenging time. And the 65th Psalm is a psalm of thanksgiving. In fact, it is often used in the revised common lectionary, if you have a lectionary preacher. Joe, are you a lectionary preacher? Most of the time. Okay, revised common? Okay, so you have a lectionary preacher. And if she's faithful to that lectionary, here's your test for her. Every three years around Thanksgiving time, the 65th Psalm shows up in the list of readings. 
Now, she gets four options, so you'll never really know if she's supposed to use it or not. But it's in there around Thanksgiving. And the whole of the psalm gives thanks to God. And it's broken up. It's 12 verses. It's broken up in three parts, okay? Uh, it's here. It goes like this. Thanks in the sanctuary. Thanks in the world writ large. And thanks in the bounty of creation. And while I only read that single verse this morning, I do encourage you to go and open your Bible to the middle where you'll find the Psalms and go to the middle of the Psalms. There's 151 Psalms in the book. And right there, smack dab in the middle, Psalm 65. Go and read those 12 verses this week. Make it a daily practice for you. All right, to read that as, as an act of prayer. Because I want you to be able to reflect about what it means to give thanks in each of those three settings. What does it mean to give thanks in the sanctuary? What does it mean to give thanks in the world? And what does it mean to give thanks in creation as both a unique gathered community and as members of the broader United Church of Christ? For you are both of these things. So, you did something really cool this morning. All right, and it is this. Uh, I was a church planter in a former life. And when we planted our church, uh, we had these incredible musicians who just God placed in our path, like the incredible musicians you have sharing with you this morning. And this group of people, they came together and I said, pick songs, find something modern, find something that will relate to a, a younger audience and be something different than the typical, I was United Methodist, I've since seen the light. And uh, so then the typical United Methodist Church, and every Sunday for three and a half years, we open worship with 10,000 years. So thank you for that. You gave me a gift this morning because my oldest son knew he was in worship when he heard that song. That's how he found God for the very first time. So all of that is to say, I appreciate that you have a mix, a broad range of music in your worship, right? You will find hymnody as powerful, and you'll find modern worship music as powerful. And I grew up in a high-steeple church, you know, with the cathedral ceilings and the pomp and the circumstance, like we see before you today, right? And... Uh, the hymns and the pipe organ. You know what I, anybody know what I'm talking about right now? Yeah, I'm an audience participation guy, so this gets longer if we don't do back and forth, okay? And so here's the thing. In traditional hymn churches, they would joke, when I was growing up at least, and I'm 41, so this will age me a little bit, uh, that modern worship were called 7-Eleven songs. You know what I'm saying? Seven words repeated 11 times, right? And so... But if you listen to modern worship music, there is a theme that comes out in most of it. Across the radio, if you listen to K-Love, you listen to other things, or you all are picking hymns, uh, picking music for that day, if you pay attention to the lyrics, the theology of modern worship music, it has a consistent theme. What is that theme? More specific. Thanks. Thanksgiving. Most modern worship music, deeply rooted in the text, if you analyze it, it's a theme of thanksgiving. And we make fun of it when we call it 7-Eleven songs, right? And if you look at it at the surface, you listen to a modern worship song for the first time, 
you might come away and go, why is it that we're telling God how awesome God is over and over again? Doesn't God already know that? Right? Why do we do that? But I happened across this psalm, Psalm 65. And it tells, again, of all the ways that God is awesome. All the many ways that God is awesome wrapped up in 12 verses. The Psalms, if you, do you know why they're in the middle of your Bible? Joe can't answer this. Why are they in the middle of your Bible? Because they're the hymn book of the Bible. The Psalms were written as music. They're lyrics. Most of them. Some are prayers. But they were intended to be set to music. You'll find weird words in there like selah, which means pause. We don't know why, but we know it was set to music at some point. We don't know how. But the Psalms are the handbook of the Bible. They were intended to be used when the body gathered together to worship God. They are the root of much of our worship music, both traditional hymns and modern praise and worship like 10,000 Reasons. It comes from the Psalms. And here's the thing about praising God. Being thankful to God as an act of worship. We don't do that for God. Amen? The act of giving thanks, of offering praise to God is done for us. It's done for us to remind us that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. To remind us of our need for community. To remind us of our role in partnership with God. To bring about your kingdom come, your can, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We sing praise to immerse ourselves in this imagery, to open our hearts and our minds to that which exists, extends beyond the self, right? To strip away ego and vanity and opinion and gossip and to be left with only the heart of the matter, which is the love of God, that can only be made real, only be made manifest when we love our neighbor more than ourselves, like the altar that you are making in memoriam out there in the other room this morning. Amen? The psalmist moves on to praise God from the sanctuary to the wider world, for giving thanks for the community that extends beyond the local congregation, for the shared reality experienced by all peoples that flows from the divine source. And it seems to me that our sense of shared reality across the wider world we find ourselves in is a little frayed right now. Amen? We are quick to share our opinions out there, aren't we? We are quick to pass judgment on those with whom we disagree out there, aren't we? And we are very expedient to find ways to differentiate us from them out there. But we in the United Church of Christ take a different view. We take a different view. We believe that there is much to be learned from diversity. We celebrate diversity because we learn and we grow in covenant relationship with one another. Even when we disagree, and we're the United Church of Christ, we disagree on a lot of things. Trust me, where I sit, you see that all the time. We see value, even in disagreement, in learning from those with whom we find ourselves in disagreement. We think that's neat, right? We desire to broaden our horizons, to explore new possibilities, and to share with one another that which has made meaning in our own experience in a way that is collegial, is positive, and maybe even sometimes downright joyful. The psalm ends with the verse that you heard read. 
by me this morning. Alongside this broader litany of praise for the wonder of creation and all that springs forth as a result of God's divine care for us. And we read these worlds in a, we, these words in a world facing serious challenges. Increasing heat, water shortages, a greater frequency of natural disasters, a global pandemic that is unrelenting. Look at us. And we wonder sometimes, don't we? Where is God in the midst of all of the chaos? We find comfort in words like Psalm 65, verse 11. We take comfort when we get the chance to be thankful for something right now in this moment. Amen? We need that in these challenging days. Because we wonder sometimes what it is that we, ourselves, individually and as a collected group together can do. And we find ourselves feeling, I don't know, overwhelmed and powerless from time to time. I think that'll preach. So, like I said, I'm a fan of dialogue, and we've reached that point in the sermon, okay? Uh, rather than talking uh, to you, I want to talk with you. So here is my question for you this morning. What does a conference minister do? What does a conference minister do? Joe and Nan can't answer this question. <laughs> Just throw it out there. Come on. What do you think? Okay, I heard two things at once. Help me. One. Yes, pastor to the pastors. So we have about 60 churches in the conference. We have 215 clergy in this conference. All right? To whom I am in covenant and responsible, not for, to, to care for, to be pastor to the pastors. Like some of the special ones in this room and in the other room but walk alongside you in your journey. It's my privilege to walk alongside them. What else? I heard another thing, and it got drowned out because I have, you know. What was it? I said the same thing. What else do you think that is a conference minister does or should do? Gives guidance. Yes. Coach. Empower. Right? Uh, what I tell my former Methodist friends since my election is I'm like a bishop with far less blink and even less authority. All right? To coach and to guide. Right? What is the role of the South Central Conference? So you are new church. You're in Dallas, Texas. Did you know we have 19 churches in Dallas and Fort Worth? Right? There's 19 of you here. Uh, we have 60 churches across the conference. What is the conference other than a geography that extends from all of Texas, save El Paso, for reasons passing understanding, all the way over to Louisiana, but basically only includes New Orleans? What, what's the role of the conference? What do you think? Your answer speaks volumes. Dude, and, and I mean, no judgment by that. That helps me. Okay, because if we don't know, then... Uh, we're not doing our job right. And we have things to communicate. What do we do? Here's what I hear most often. When people think of the conference minister's office, they think of conflict resolution or when we need to search and find a new pastor, which you're not going to need to do for a while. Right? That's what most people say. So... <laughs> Yep, and this is where the sermon goes off the rails. When we think of the conference, uh, we think of Slumber Falls Camp. Anybody here from Slumber? Yeah, we own that, okay? And we care for that for you, in covenant with you, where we raise up youth and we have retreat groups and we have other things. Did you know we had 236 campers this year? 
in the age of COVID, we had our best year since we've been keeping records, which disturbs me on some level, but it's a really good year, and I'm happy about that. Uh, what about Back Bay Mission? Anybody hear of that? It is our gem on the Gulf Coast. You need to do a mission trip to Back Bay Mission, where they house the homeless, where they transform lives. It is a gem of the United Church of Christ, and it is our privilege as the conference to walk alongside that ministry and offer guidance and support. Uh, when we think of the conference, we think of your board will know what this is. Our church's wider mission, right? Money. The um, church tax. It's not a task, tax because I ask you for it instead of demand it from you. Okay? Um, it's your investment in our national church and our broader ministries of justice. A piece goes there. And another piece goes to the conference, which allows us to support Back Bay, to support Slumber Falls, uh, it allows me to travel 5,400 miles in three months, okay, and come and be in worship with you. But there's so much more to that. And I say all this to tell you this. When I came on board in July, I set three goals for myself as your conference minister over the first year, just three. Uh, one, I will visit our church's ministry partners. You've heard that already. Two, I will work to overhaul our personnel and our technology platforms at the conference office so that everything is transparent and actually useful in the life of the local church. So when I ask you, what does the conference do? You'll be able to answer that question with confidence because you'll actually know, okay? And three, I will endeavor to help us together, all 60 of us, to articulate a clear vision for who God is calling us, the United Church of Christ in the South Central Conference, to be in this present moment as we come out of the weirdest time in church life any of us, God willing, will ever see. So here's what that means to you. I want to be a resource for you, a coach, a sounding board, a guide. I have planted churches personally. I have seen churches resurrect. I have never served anywhere that got smaller by the time that I left than when I started there. In your shared life together, there is bounty to be discovered. I want you to hear that, especially in this moment where you're going, Ugh, this week maybe wasn't so hot. Where'd all the people go? What's going on? We're nervous. We're edgy. There is bounty to be discovered, and God is good all the time. The good news of the gospel, my friends, is that we are invited to share it. To share it. To connect with others in meaningful ways that help them find hope and healing and transformation, just as we ourselves, who are gathered here in person and online today, have been given in our own journeys. Right here, right now. Because here's my promise to you coming out of this reality. People are more hungry for shared community than we have seen in my life. Online worship shows us that every Sunday. People desire to be with others in ways that they feel safe and confident to do. And one of the great things about being part of a larger body, like the United Church of Christ, is that none of our churches, new church, have to figure out how to do this by yourselves. All right? We're in relationship together to share best practices and ideas. So invite me where you need to, where you want to, into your process to help you and equip you on the journey as you move forward. So here's what I want you to do over this next year. I want you to pick three things. I want you to pick something that has to do with your shared life together in the sanctuary, within the body that is new church, in person and online. What will you do to offer praise and thanksgiving to God 
coming off of this moment that will be clear, any one of you can articulate, and will transform lives. Something you can measure, one thing. Okay? Here's the next thing I want you to do. What's one thing that you can do outside the walls of this place and you're gathering together that will change lives? That will share the good news of a gospel that says, whoever you are and wherever you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. You are beloved, a beloved child of God, just as you are beautifully and wonderfully made, no exceptions. What's one thing you will do that you can measure that will clearly transform lives over the next year out there in Dallas, Texas? And here's the third. What is one thing that you will covenant together to do, new church, that will make a positive impact on God's creation? that will allow you to give thanks for the goodness of this amazing world we've been given not to destroy, but to steward in our lifetimes that it might be just as amazing and magnificent for those who will follow us. One thing. Three simple goals. I am a simple-minded fellow. All right? I'm really not that complicated to understand as it is. And I articulated for you at the beginning of this three goals that I have set for myself. If we are truly to be in covenant with one another, then I invite you to be in this covenant with me. That you will pick three things. Sanctuary, word, and creation. You will covenant to fulfill those in the name of Jesus Christ over this next year for the transformation of your body, your community, and God's good creation for the glory and thanksgiving that we offer to God and praise of God. So that when I come back and see you again, we can celebrate together what God has done through new church in Dallas, Texas, as we come off of this strange, incredible journey through this liminal space and we remember that God is saying, hey, behold, I am making all things new. And there is abundance to be had. May it be so for you. Amen. Amen.